0: Hello, hey, hey, bonjour, I'm Gwen Lafage, and this is the Tech Moggling Podchat, casual discussion with some of the best, most passionate tech modelers out there. They share the stories, the insights, the day-to-day. So get ready to listen, learn, and get inspired. Welcome to a new episode of the Tech Marketing Podchat. My guest today is Liam Bougar Azale. Liam is an American marketer in Paris. He works as VP of marketing at Scaleway, a cloud infrastructure provider. Prior to joining Scaleway about six months ago, Liam had several positions, a marketing position in um, Scalop or in hypergrowth uh, companies. We talked about his first six months at Scaleway and how he set up his team for success, but also how he focuses on growth and um, how he help his team succeed and keep them accountable, how he set up OKRs, and how each person on his team is responsible or own a revenue metric. And um, no matter his position in the marketing team, how revenue should be their target um, Liam gave us a true clear understanding of how his team works and how they focus on on growth or so driving growth and performance uh, for the whole organization, how they are set up for exper- experimentation and learning from those experiences. so listen to this episode uh, where Liam gave us concrete best practices and and examples of the type of experimentation that he runs and how he up his team for success. I hope you enjoy the chat. Thank you. Welcome, uh, Liam. Really nice to have you with me today.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me, Gwen. Happy to be here.
0: So, um, so let's, let's jump, uh, right in. And like you, you started as VP of marketing at Scaleway about not even six months ago, right? So uh pretty new job starting in the middle of a, a pandemic. Um, what have the first six months been like?
1: Yeah. Um, I, uh, it's been very exciting. Um, yeah. So I started, uh, in April at Scaleway, uh, running the marketing department and, um, it's been hectic uh the company's i mean in a good way the the company's growing very very fast um even even our parent company uh Iliad which is a telecom company is 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 making a lot of uh moves probably shouldn't say much more than that um and uh it, there's just been a lot of uh we've really been moving from what we call like artisanal marketing to like hyperscale uh, marketing and and getting getting the structure in place. You know, we, we had a lot of success over the last three years, um, but it was probably uh, at the expense of building uh, a good process for how we want to do that 10x bigger. Uh, and so a lot of the reason I was brought in was both to uh, adapt the narrative and kind of do the job that I've historically done uh, of, of defining and driving and deploying the, the strategic narrative of the company, um, but also creating the mechanism in terms of processes and, and team structure that allows us to get that message out and deploy it. Um, and, and I think that's been re- that's been really tough. yeah,
0: that's interesting. So what would you say are like what are the first things that that you did? How do you go from being more yeah what, what word did you use? Do you say archaic or like old school type of marketing to to becoming more uh, of a Organization that managed to scale marketing. What are the first thing that?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the the, the first thing I started with was job scopes and OKRs. Um, so I came in. I really I tried to get a good assessment of how people understood their jobs, why they were choosing to do what they were choosing to do, how they were measuring performance, um, and and really the goal there was was to get two things. One, um, I really think marketing is at its most impactful when the team is accountable for revenue. And I really wanted to connect every single person back to the revenue they generate. Um, we're a company that has a big self-service part of our business uh, uh, that has a low, you know, high volume, low low value, uh, and then there's all, and we also have a sales-led part of our business that is high value, uh, smaller volume, obviously. Uh, and so, making sure the teams understood that everything that we do, announcing a new product, preparing a tweet, everything is a is about what will get us to the growth goals and how is what we're doing connected um, back to that? So, so a lot of what I did was not necessarily changing people's jobs as much as more precisely defining their scope in a way that'll make them uh, impactful. So for example, um, you know we, we have seven product marketers um, and that, that's a lot, but it makes sense when you know that we have 45 or so products, depending on what you count. Um, And so those are roughly divided up by the type of product. Um, And every one of them actually owns the revenue for that product portfolio. However, just because they own the revenue doesn't mean that they're going to run paid ads because that's very hard or that they're going to be the best at doing product launches or writing content. You can very quickly in product marketing get spread really thin. And so we also have a content marketing team that's responsible for creating content about products and otherwise. And we also have a paid acquisition team that's accountable for the impact of those campaigns and really trying to structure those teams such that they have joint objectives that are that are impact driven and it's really clear how people work together to to achieve a common goal um and that honestly um, was the yeah go ahead
0: yeah maybe so we um i understand as well like so what's the size of the team that you have and like you said it's product marketing Paid acquisition, like if you can explain the 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 size and the spectrum, just to get a good sense of definitely. So by the end
1: of the year, the team will be about twenty people. By the end of next year, will be probably thirty or so. Um, Today we have five or six uh, uh, teams inside of marketing. So we've got uh, what I would call corporate teams, which are product marketing uh, and growth. Uh, Those teams are what their scope is. Let's say global. Uh, it, It covers it covers every market that we operate in. Uh, so product marketing, they own the product portfolio and the revenue associated with that uh, growth uh, consists of two s- sort of types of profiles. One are growth product managers. So those are product managers that are in charge of a stage of the buyer journey. So acquisition, activation or expansion uh, and then paid acquisition. Um, uh, so. Uh, um, you know, generating generating paid acquisition. That, that paid acquisition team in time will probably become its own team. But right now it's small enough that we can keep it inside of growth and it, and it works well that way. Uh, then we have what I would call local teams. Um, so teams where in each market we want a specific person and, and they're really geo-specific. So content marketing, uh, uh, field marketing, developer relations, um, where we really want boots on the ground or, or at least virtually boots on the ground. People are responsible for each market. Um, for language localization and, and sort of m- m- market-specific activities, um, and the last team is marketing operations. Uh, so a team dedicated to removing friction from the buyer journey and accelerating the time to value through data tooling and reports.
0: Interesting. And so the the marketing ops team they like on on more of the global level, supporting yes. av- every exactly. other marketing exactly industry, exactly. Yeah, and your content team is on the local level. You mentioned. Yeah, so not- exactly.
1: So, yeah. so that we they're they're they they you know the destination for that team today. It's a team that we're building. So there's two people today, and there will be four or five by uh, in, in the next couple of years. Um, the goal is to have a local language content marketer for each of the key languages that we operate in. Mm-hmm. You know, and given that we operate across Europe, that's a that's a that can quickly become a lot of languages.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the tricky part in, in Europe. And uh, so what's the, what's the role of, of content, I guess, in your in, in your marketing strategy?
1: Yeah, I mean, broadly speaking, from an objective perspective, the, the goal is to generate traffic, users, leads, and ultimately revenue through content. Um, sometimes content plays a different role. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's about us being a distribution channel for a product launch. So they're supporting a broader objective around a product campaign. Uh, sometimes it's about just creating great content and and uh, uh, pushing out uh, a message to our audience that resonates with them. For example, one of our first content hires, uh, Hannah, she joined as an engineer in the content marketing team, and her only goal or her chief goal is to write great content for developers. We, we write to developers, we want to sound authentic. And the way she does that is both by creating original content and also helping our entire 130 person product engineering department to produce content as well. So getting more content coming out from the company that will be authentic and, and appeal uh, uh, to, to our user base. The goal isn't necessarily uh, every single time to say, and now by Scaleway, the goal is to create create that motion that kind of comes back to the brand hat. We want to create a close relationship with developers. We think that developers like learning and they like expertise, <laughs> education, and expertise tend to be. Two of the two of the big E's for for a good uh, developer tools company, Um, and so we want to produce content to match that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I mean that's that's the tricky part I think with with somehow content and having a specific content team. I found that like basically all the teams and every every activation that that you do, you need the different type of content. So you could kind of argue that content is like. Across the organization, because whether it's like product content or sub leadership content or content that is specific for creating demand or generating leads, so that it's like you will use it like throughout the throughout all the activities that that you're doing. Yeah,
1: and, and that's a good point, and and that comes back to this um, topic we were talking about uh, uh, earlier uh, around the fact that we have different departments with different goals. So for example, I, I run the marketing department. We also have a communications department. And for the example of content, we have an HR department, each of which has a dedicated content team. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and the team, isn't doesn't, we don't so much own the medium of words. That's a pretty broad uh, remit. We own the impact. And the means are what we provide to that team to do it. Right. right. So the content team owns generating interest via words. So if we're doing words, but it's not about generating short-term interest, then then it's not in our remit, right? And so we have a very, we keep the scope narrow. The other thing is they don't own all words that generate interest because paid acquisition landing pages, email activation campaigns. And and so we really narrow in that scope once again, to say we really wanna focus on ungated and gated content, Mm
0: -hmm. meaning
1: blog, eBooks, Occasionally, webinar content, if we think that's really the best way to deliver the message. Um, but, but ultimately, the expectation is that every team will produce some level of content. Our growth PM that owns Activation is accountable for the onboarding sequence because that is how we activate new users is, is by onboarding them. And so they're ultimately accountable for the impact of, the, of that language, which means to some extent, they're accountable for the copy as well and, and the content that goes with it. Likewise, for product marketing, while they might not write every blog post for every launch, they're accountable for providing to the content team, the key messages that need to be delivered so that it isn't something where everyone is making up in their corner of the story that they want to tell. And, and that we dilute the, the message.
0: No, that makes sense. And how do you build that team for scale? Like, and do you do you work with a lot of um, external partners and agencies, or are you? I guess that's something that all it's, the yeah growing companies face. It's like, how do you scale? Because you always need more, right? More content, more design, more pages, more ads.
1: Um. Yeah, I, I mean, historically, I've worked with outside agencies. There's a few that I like. Um, shout out to Campfire Labs. They're pretty incredible animals in New York. Uh, pretty good as well. Um, it's really buyer persona specific. So, you know, typically where I see outsourcing working well is where you can provide a really clear brief uh, and, and you don't need an insider to create the content. Um, so a really good example, that is SEO content, right? We want to rank for our category. We need a category long form content to do that. Ideally, it's also valuable. We can provide the value, and there's a lot of technical c- copy work that goes into just making sure that this thing is the best design. We don't actually need to own that internally. Um, and so there are things that we can outsource, um, things that at Scaleway we're not doing today but that we will subsequently do. And there are things that we'll keep internally. I, don't, I tend to disagree with the notion that you need to produce more content to have more of an impact. Um, I don't think the New York Times publishes more content today than they did 10 years ago. But I think they're, I think they're having a larger impact today. Um, you do get to a place where when something, when, when something works that you do once a month, you might want to invest more and do it once a week. And then you might want to do it every single day. And then you might want to have a whole team doing it, right? And so you do kind of expand. But you really like for editorial work to, to, to be successful, you really need to like try something see it works, try to do it repeatedly, and see if you can make it work consistently. And then you can really invest as, as much as you want as long as it's working. Um, but but this, the scale side is really about saying, what's an angle of attack that we can work with? right? Like launching, launching new channels is nice, podcasts, video, clubhouse, whatever. Um, I guess that's a little outdated now, but you get the <laughs> idea. Um, whatever the uh, fleet or whatever the version on Twitter is, spaces, there it is, Twitter spaces um but it really only matters if you know what you know what the story is what you're trying to accomplish and and you know you test it and then if it works you do it more um and so we we really kind of have this like scale through experimentation approach which is let's try something and but the way we try it the first time is about measuring whether it's worth doing Mm again and if it doesn't We don't say, oh, well, the experiment wasn't well designed, or maybe it didn't work because of some external factor. No, we design an experiment where the result tells us whether we do more of it. We write content. Maybe for a month, we'll write on something. And we'll say, did it achieve the goal that we wanted it to achieve in one month? Not the goal we wanted to achieve in a year, but did we get enough feedback to to want to invest more in that? And then you can scale the team as as far as you want. As long as content is connected to, to impact, it, the, the investment is, is easy, right? It's the same thing with field marketing. If we want to go to more trade shows, we, we're going to have more field marketers. Or if we want to do more webinars, right? There's a time to production. So is, mm-hmm. so what we need to do is make sure that when we're doing only one webinar, that that webinar is impactful, then figure out how do we do five of those, then 25, then, then 50. And the and the scale is kind of natural. <laughs> as long as you just scale the impact and you need more resources to get the impact.
0: Yeah, but, but I, I guess like... Um... I understand the approach I just think like sometimes you might do one experiment and might fail for multiple reasons and might not be a good reason for not doing it again. Right. Especially if you look at long-term versus short-term, right. I think like we, we really focused, um, our marketing has, has tended to like focus a lot on short terms and on like quick wins and, um, and performance. Right. Um, and forgetting a little bit about, long-term goals of uh, consistency building a brand uh, things that take time and that cannot be measured in one experiment so it's like how do you balance that
1: yeah i i i, I mean i i, I, I I'm, I'm a big fan of short-term learning not necessarily quick wins i i'm a big fan of like an experiment where when it fails it might be for a lot of reasons is i mean in science that's a bad experiment so then, then it's good just to be honest and say we weren't running an experiment; we were doing something because we wanted to, and we retro designed an experiment to justify it. And then when when the result didn't fit our def- what we wanted, we discarded the experiment, which isn't an experiment. It's we you know we were going to launch a product, so we put a metric on it. It didn't hit the metric, but we're still happy with the launch. Okay, so maybe the launch wasn't an experiment. Maybe the metric wasn't the right metric, right? But the like the idea of like. There were outside forces that cause us well that there's always outside forces like your company exists in a market your team exists in a in, in a in a company you know a channel exists on the internet and so you you know the whole point of having this sort of feedback loop of is what we're doing working is about saying can i predict the impact taking into account the externalities right mm-hmm. if, if the only way to create a good experiment is to have no externalities i mean a janitor has no externalities Uh, is there trash I took it out is it on the floor I I picked it up there's nothing stopping them from doing their job
0: but every
1: but but it's also a very narrow scope narrow impact not related not a growth function it's a a support function and and so if you want to be in a growth function you have to acknowledge that the, the the reason the job is hard the reason we're paid so well to do something that doesn't require a science education is because we have to take into account those externalities
0: do you have examples of um, experiment that you've run since you've joined Scaleway, uh, both like working that fell or succeeded, yeah. like uh, either way, but just as a good example of how you Yeah, definitely. What kind of experiment you're running?
1: Definitely. Uh, one of the things we spun up is um, we were looking at our paid acquisition and we saw that it was working, but was, you know, not perfectly. And and the first thing I did is I just, you know, Googled a couple terms that I knew our competitors would be bidding for. And I looked at what they were doing. I thought it's always good to look at what competitors are doing. You can at least kind of retro engineer their strategy just by looking at a few of the outward facing things. I saw that a lot of a lot of our competition gives away free vouchers for cloud when uh, upon sign up. And and we weren't actually doing that. We weren't doing paid acquisition where the where the the, you know, the bait is credits. And so we started doing it and uh, it worked poorly. Uh, for a lot of reasons, mostly had nothing to do with the campaign. It had a lot to do with the technical infrastructure that it requires to create a voucher programmatically and, and give it to people, um, and and how we and how we do that today. But we but we learned super quickly why it was hard. We we spun it up. I, I we didn't ask permission from anyone. We just, I, I didn't ask. You know I I said I don't care how much the voucher is for. Make it a million dollars. I don't I don't care. <laughs> I mean, within reason, right? Make make it the 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 smallest number that allows you to learn, right? Make it the number that allows you to learn the quickest, uh, and and no more. Um, And so that allowed us to learn really quickly that we had some, you know, missing links in the in the chain, and it allowed us really quickly to get marketing and sales around a table to say, okay, how do we want to approach this? What is you know do we want you know do we think that this is something we want to keep doing? Yes, is it working? No, okay. Good. We learned that really quickly, and now we can kind of come up with a strategy. If we tried to sit down and define the perfect strategy without having that initial burst of data that was done quickly without design input, without product marketing input, nothing, just to generate data and, and see what breaks, and we would it would have just been an academic exercise, you know. And and so for and so for that, I really like going for the quickest way to get information because you know it's like trying to build a persona without interviewing anyone or like designing the perfect you know it's like when people want to design the perfect survey you know they're like oh i need to get as much feedback as possible so i need to get the right questions just call people call like five people you'll know infinitely better what the right questions are after five calls versus sending out a survey and getting 200 responses that are worth nothing because you Mm -hmm. realize the question was poorly defined right and so and 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 so i'm just much more in favor of going after that quick feedback and then afterwards, letting it work, you know, and, and that's often antithetical to, as you said, consistency uh, around brand. We, often we want we, we want to only put out the perfect thing because otherwise we risk this notion of consistency. But it's, it's kind of false because at the end of the day, one, everything is brand. And, and, and mm-hmm. number two, a, a, a single person doesn't experience every version of everything you do. They only experience one. And if that's inconsistent, it's only inconsistent for them. It's not inconsistent for everyone. So it isn't so much about first we design the perfect thing that's on brand and then we try to figure out if it's impactful. First, we build something impactful and then we come backwards and see, is there anything about this that we might want to reel in? And how does reeling it into brand affect us? You know, if the thing that's on brand is necessarily unimpactful. Maybe the brand is poorly designed, even if it's consistent. Yeah. <laughs> it might be consistent in the wrong way, right? You know, we might be, you know, we might say our key arguments are A, B, and C. And in order to be on brand, we need to stick with them. But if neither of those three arguments work and argument four does work, is argument four off brand or is the brand off?
0: Yeah, I believe they they definitely need to, like, um, work together. You need to think about how to, to kind of build your brand in everything you do. But um, but not at the expense of like performance, right? Because uh, obviously, if if something like feels really on brand but doesn't deliver any results, what's the point of it, right? Yeah. So um, so yeah, I think it's what, it's how to make it both uh, work
1: together. What I found on that on that topic, um, you know, I, I found that brand is often put into a support function, and and that's fine. The sort of brand communications or brand design. And that's fine. It's supporting other teams that are growth functions, but I find brand is much more effective at accomplishing its final goal when it is actually accountable for revenue and, and a specific subset of revenue that only brand can claim accountability for. And so what I generally measure success on, it's not something we do at Scaleway today, because again, it's, it's not my uh, team, but it, but it is what we did at 360 learning where I was before and at previous companies is we look at organic inbound Interest. We look at people who type, you know, cinch, come on, create an account. No camp, no paid campaign, no content, anything. Because while you know nothing from a data perspective, which is very frustrating to demand gen and performance marketing, you can deduce only one thing that the person knew who you were before they got there. I.e., they knew who they knew your brand, right? And and so what I tend to look at is the percentage of overall revenue new revenue per month, you know, cohort based revenue, or uh, MQL generation, if you're if you're more a sales led motion that is coming in through organic inbound, then then there are, you know, there are channels that you can push that right, like content can be seen as an organic inbound channel, it is a way for people to opt into your brand, as opposed to being, you know, pushed out to them. Um, But it but it really gives a good idea of does my brand resonate if people are when they, when, you know, when they Google a term, they see, you know, cinch.com or scaleway.com and they go, I do want to click on that. That's already a value judgment on the brand.
0: Yeah. I I, I mean, it's, it's a good point. And I think it's part of it and it's part of what run does. I would argue that it does a lot more than that because it also, and ultimately what you want is for it to help reduce your cost of acquisition, right. Which mean that when, someone um start engaging with the company or come through from like a a paid ad or, or whatever, right? And start to talk to the sales team, it goes faster because they already know you, they already trust you, they've read a bunch of your content, they've engaged with yeah. with your company before. And so I think like it's it's Maybe. um it, yeah it's it's part of that as well. Right. It's not just some, someone searching for like the name of yeah, the, the company. Th-
1: the the hard part with uh, so, like focusing on cost of acquisition is the lack of account of like the lack of autonomy, which is if you're not if if the paid acquisition team increases their budget, well then the cost of acquisition just went up. And does that mean your brand is less well known? No, it just means you're you have a you know a, a threshold or a, a tolerance. Where, whereas at the end of the day, the way you reduce the cost of acquisition is is by acquiring users for free, uh, i.e. I- Organically, so to speak, right? Yeah, exactly. um, uh, with you know, and, and so looking at the pool and saying, "Look, we don't know how people came in. We can sometimes deduce it. We can ask them questions. Did you hear about us from the analysts that we have a relationship with? Did you, you know, have you read some of our content before? Did you see us on Hacker News?" Sure, you can ask the question, but more broadly, you want to look at over time is the percentage of that pool that is organic growing or growing going down? Because really, paid acquisition and, and and even field marketing is like a tax. It's a tax on you for not having been visible to the buyer before they needed you. And you're you're playing catch up when you do paid acquisition, because when you're doing brand, you can change the way they think about the problem. But when you're doing paid acquisition, you can only go after people who already know they have a problem. It's not valuable otherwise. As you mentioned, the short term, you know, performance marketing, we're not built to do paid acquisition for 12 months from now. It just isn't designed to do that. There are people who do that. We do paid brand awareness, but but again, it's closer to that notion of generating uh, more organic inbound down the road. Um, and so you you really pay a tax on the fact that people don't know your brand, they don't know your they don't believe in your vision, and and you're gonna and you're probably going to be chasing after someone who believes in your competitor's vision of the world. And maybe they're looking through a lens that puts you automatically at a deficit because they were influenced by another brand. Um, And so, yeah, I I, I mean, I I think no matter what, metrics are always imperfect. Um, But I really like picking the best metric, which isn't the only, it isn't the, it isn't the, like, it's the best possible. It's the most precise we can get. Um, and, And I find that almost every team can be either a growth team or a support team. Where a growth team owns their impact on the health of the revenue of the company, uh, and the support function is all about supporting another team that does I think des- the, the, you know at Airbnb design is a growth function they they directly contribute to product features uh and uh, the generation of adoption uh and 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 they're largely one of these rare design driven uh companies um you know in some companies brand is a support function and all they're really doing is making sure you're on brand it's a it's like a value check um, and that's nice but it, but is it and it's nice but it, at the end of the day it's putting the accountability on whether that stuff works onto another team which is which is okay but i think person personally i prefer the growth version of of every team
0: it's uh yeah it's maybe easier to make people more accountable and uh give them like you said at the beginning like the good good metrics and good um okrs or like uh, uh goals to to yeah. achieve but yeah well thank you so much this was really um this was really great i know you're busy so i, I won't uh, keep you longer but thank you so much for for this discussion went really fast learned a lot um <laughs> and yeah let's uh Keep experimenting, and uh, hopefully this will pay for uh, Scaleway and uh, and for yourself.
1: <laughs> awesome! Thanks, great! <Gwen>. Thanks <laughs>
0: Thank for having you me so much. Yep. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Tech Marketing Spot Chat. I hope you had a good time. I know I did. If you learned a thing or two, feel free to share this episode. And also let me know, I'm on LinkedIn, please connect, share your thoughts, and I'll see you there. Bye bye for now.